You are listening to Soul Searching on KSFR with Rabbi Neil Amswich from Temple Beth Shalom. Soul Searching is a journey where I engage with faith leaders and academics to explore deep questions of meaning. Questions that all of us ask at some point in our lives, such as, why are we here? What is right and wrong? Is there good and evil? Is truth relative or absolute? Is there life after death? And to help us in our journey this evening, we're very honored to welcome to our show Miraj Bukhari Freya, founder of the Santa Fe Refugee Collaborative. Miraj, welcome to our show. Thank you so much, Rabbi Neil. It's great to be here. It's lovely having you here. So the Santa Fe Refugee Collaborative is a grassroots organization seeking to enable collective efforts within our communities to welcome, support and integrate refugee families who found their way to New Mexico. So the obvious first question is, why did it need to exist? What was your drive to help create it? So my drive and ambitions and everything come from a story. Um, and that story is, is that part of my family, actually, they come from Afghanistan. So I have my father's side of the family. They're from Afghanistan. They have been um, uh, displaced multiple times. And it's not just... I'm not speaking just on behalf of my grandfather, but like many, many people from that part of the region, from Central Asia, have been displaced. But it was, um, and they've had these borders created and other countries um, just coming in for resources and, um, you know, feels, it, it felt as though there was no other place to go home but to move out. Um, my grandfather left, um, back in the 1960s, and he resettled in down towards uh, Karachi, Pakistan. So there he met my grandmother, who spoke Urdu, and his family s- speaks uh, Pashto. So we have some diversity there. And uh, therefore, they kind of journeyed, had four sons, and the youngest son uh, wound up working for the airlines and kind of resettled in London. Uh, that's where I was born and eldest of three siblings and eventually moved to New York. Uh, but, so it's and then, um, yeah, and then the displacement story, I mean, I can say that I'm very passionate about my ethnicity, my heritage, my culture. It's an identity, and I, I don't wish for that deep loss. I always seek for that connection as to who I am and where these families also come from, they're obviously seeking for a new home, and where does that belonging go? And mm. so using our privileges, um, it's really important to enhance our own life in order to help others. So uh, seeing that there was a call for support uh, of 20 Syrian families, um, there was no support here in Santa Fe in the sense like, okay, there's no resettlement agency. Mm-hmm. So connecting with the resettlement agency and seeing that they came from Muslim-majority countries, um, I reached out the, to the Islamic Center of New Mexico and asked, how can I help? Made a trip. There was an open invitation to come for dinner and welcome them. And then bringing the news back from our sister city of Albuquerque to Santa Fe and having that presentation hosted over at St. Bede's, mm. where we had such a, a, a graceful beginning of something and what to call it and everything 
transpired into something beautiful with um, many different um, opportunities for people to help and support through volunteering. It's obviously very personally grounded for you. How do you help bring in volunteers for whom there isn't that personal like ancestry story what's the what's the appeal for volunteers when people come and help what what's driving them i believe we we live in a country or society in which we have immigrant stories and um the many different uh, stories where even when we talk about homelessness um people who are currently also being displaced by the fires and hands down there's this empathy that's driving it. People care. And so through that care, people step forward. How can we help? How can we support? And I always ask them, what are your best qualities that you can bring forward? Mm. So you don't need to speak a similar language or, or, or practice a similar faith, um, but tell us what are you gifted with? And with those gifts, um, I kind of explore in ways of thinking creatively that, okay, you have a background in art, perhaps you'd like to kind of pair up with some of the children and kind of create some kind of program, or perhaps someone has a business background and they want to set up some kind of micro business for them, helping Mm -hmm. kind of engage with them or English as a second language. Um, And a lot of these families who have resettled, they indicate support through that social interaction. So there's a lot of social engagement involved. Um, and what better way through music and food and dialogue. So, um, and I believe when people seek help, people tend to respond really well here in Santa Fe. Uh, but I think, that's a, I think that's a really important thing that you've shared, that if, if you're volunteering to help the Santa Fe Refugee Collaborative, you don't necessarily need to speak Pashto or Urdu or, or anything. But but if you have a desire to help, if you have that empathy for those who are coming, because many people in this country have immigrant stories. And, and so, you know, so connecting to that, I, I think that's a lovely I think that's an important thing to share just for those who are listening, thinking, wow, I'd like to help. But. But you're saying whatever you can do to help. Right. We're not limited. Lovely. So, I mean, you come clearly as you were talking about from Afghanistan to London to here, a sense of a global citizen. What does it mean for you to be a global citizen? So um, I come from the belief that, you know, that um, I am a visigerant on Earth. I have an obligation to take care of humanity. Um, and if we have multiple global citizens working together, then we don't really see those borders. We see more humans just like us, ourselves, with minds and brains to think and a heart that beats. And how can we invest our time to take care of our fellow beings and and the earth? And so much of that um, encompasses that role of a global citizen. Um, and so despite our, I wouldn't say despite our differences, I think mm, having differences right, right. is a beautiful thing, right? right. And um, it, that diversity brings more strength than us to look at our differences and say, oh, you're different from me, so there's this fair. But in a sense, when we consider ourselves as global, we're part of you know, this 
unique place and a gift to be living here on planet Earth. I mean, what other, if there is <laughs> life beyond this planet, maybe Mars and, you know, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I don't know whether I'll have the opportunity to go there, but um, perhaps that's a dialogue to hold with Bez uh, Bezos. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think this world is enough, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, it's enough. But I think what you're sharing is, is in some sense the underlying message of this show, that we learn and grow from diversity and difference, and as opposed to you know, seeing the, the humanity of the other is an important first step, but, but everyone's humanity is connected to their own individual story, which is different. And so... So instead of putting us all in the melting pot, as people said decades ago, and just sort of, we're all basically the same. What you're talking about is celebrating. We're all, we're all human beings. We're all in need of care, but we all have our different stories as well to, to celebrate as well. So that seems to be, for me, what I'm hearing is, is the essence of global citizenship for you. Yes. <laughs> I think it's lovely. So, so tell me, given that we all have our stories, you know, What's your story as an American Muslim? What, what's it like being here? Is, is your experience unique to Santa Fe um, or unique to you? So, so what is it, what's your experience? How would you describe it, being an American Muslim? So, you know, I came from a first-generation immigrant, uh, immigrant family. And, you know, we go back to, okay, liberties and justice for all. So... I do believe as an American Muslim, um, I've been living here for the past over 35 years now. Um, and we, we see the, ourselves living in a secular country where all our faiths are accepted and we have our individual rights and laws and everything in place. And we have our freedoms to believe in what we wish to believe in or not. So... Um, having said that, I have grown as an individual over the course of the years uh, as to who am I, uh, my identity. Okay, I can see that where my family comes from, but what does it really mean to be a Muslim and submit one's will and the belief that there is a monotheistic almighty God out mm -hmm. there? And I'm a conscious believer in things that what I say or do... Um, projects where my path will lead me. So uh, being American, I feel you know, invested in putting my time in community and efforts and uh, practicing my own empathy for the care of um, my neighbor and my friends, my family. So those are all important to me. Um, and, you know, we can go back and we can think of different individuals Ilhan Omar, who's a congresswoman, um, uh, Malcolm X, Shabazz, and then there's like, you know, there, there are very many famous individuals who have been living here from 200 years ago. Mm -hmm. I mean, the um, state of Michigan, Dearborn, Michigan, ha having the highest population of Muslims in the country and seeing that there are many different people who are actively politically involved in our government and our state. So um, I don't believe that's unique. I think that's, we live in, you know, again, it goes back to that diversity. What does it mean? Like, you know, we don't poke around and ask people like, oh, you, so, right. you know, um, what faith do you follow? But somehow being Muslim stands out so unique. And at the same time, it's also kind of 
brought up questions since 9-11. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can see that um, misinformation is, is out there. And so I feel that I can use my voice to advocate as being a Muslim and saying, is that who I really am? Am I being identified as a terrorist or right. not? And I am very much part of society and bringing care to injustice for everyone. So, so I, I really appreciate you sharing this. Before we take our break, you, you started to touch upon, I guess, difficulties. Is it difficult being an American Muslim? you or being a Muslim in America is it difficult for you or are there is it positive is it is are there is it both how how does it feel for you um I guess in Santa Fe specifically that's your narrative but you're sharing things that go back 20 years of of pain and suspicion and so on so so before we take our break is it difficult is it easy is it both can you share a little on that I believe being in Santa Fe um, Santa Fe is just filled with people who are who have been around the bush, so to speak, a number of times. So they've experienced many different lives, I guess, and came back here. And it's like a transitional city. Mm-hmm. People go and they come back. Um, and for me, I feel very much accepted here. Um, people are very well-read and understanding um, I think we have one of the highest rates of uh, doctorate degrees in Los Alamos. So it's right. something to be said about that. And uh, people are well-traveled, so they have this understanding and of acceptance when it comes to coming from bigger cities. Uh, yeah, I think there's something to be said about discrimination in the public schools. I mm-hmm. have faced it, personal hand account. You need to go back to your country. Wow. Um, and so what country are they talking about when you are right. basically born out in the West? And, uh, you know, the color of your skin. Sometimes people identify you as to why are you wearing that headscarf? Mm. Uh, they see you very differently, that you don't belong here. You do not, you know, you're not part of the American calling or standards. Um, so, and I think that all comes from a place of ignorance mm. and mm. um and as part of my role, it's to educate them. Right. <laughs> so, and, and, and good for you for, for taking on that role. I mean, the irony of someone saying to you, go back to your country when you were born in London, um, you know, it's, that doesn't make any sense. But I, I really appreciate you sharing that, the positives and the negatives. I, I do. We, we do need to take a break. You're listening to Soul Searching on KSFR with Rabbi Neil. Um, and our guest this evening is Miraj Bukhari Freya, founder of the Santa Fe Refugee Collaborative. And we'll be back in a moment. You're listening to Soul Searching on KSFR with Rabbi Neil Amswich from Temple Beth Shalom here in Santa Fe. My guest this evening, Miraj Bukhari Freya, founder of the Santa Fe Refugee Collaborative, who's been sharing um, some uh, before the break about, about 
what it was that drove you to help create this um, this important organization and the, the concept and the need for being a global citizen and how it feels for you being an American Muslim. Let's talk a little about some of the specific projects um, that the Santa Fe Refugee Collaborative is doing. So can you tell us, for example, you have this narrative project, Three Cups of Tea. Uh, tell us about that. Yeah, so... Um so my background, I've, I have a background in early childhood education and, uh, and as well as um, a degree in communication disorders. I work with the special needs. And then um, you talked about how, how we kind of invest some time thinking creatively and how people love stories right. and telling the right stories and, um, and sharing that. So part of sharing means I'm coming from a culture where three cups of tea is so important and, um, and um, reflecting on, you know, what does it mean for the first cup of tea? We, we kind of introduce ourselves and the second cup is reinforcing that relationship. Uh, perhaps um, coming up with a plan or a goal or a vision to work on something. And then the third cup of tea is you're basically uh, a member of that family for life. And so that three cups of tea came into place when we started resettling our new Afghan refugee families. And um, a couple of people stepped forward and said, we would love to have you um, in the midst of a pandemic, we mm -hmm. felt like, okay, where can we host these programs, perhaps at a community center, perhaps outside in, at the park or somewhere. Um, and so in, I introduced my, um, my friends from different parts of the world, you know, in Santa Fe, uh, our Muslim sisters, and saying, you know, we have a sister from Syria, we have a sister from Iraq, from Afghanistan, or from the former Yugoslavia, and right. um, from Eastern Europe, such as Ukraine. And so we're not just limited to certain um, Muslim-majority countries, but also other Eastern European countries, or even individuals from South America, or Central America, who can perhaps show us um, what their stories of migration meant and uh, we do that by sharing some tea from different parts of the world. How and, nice. Yeah. What a lovely idea. And, and since you mentioned stories, you have something called the Stone Soup Kitchen. I'm assuming this is from the very old, like 1700s French story of, uh, of stone soup. Can, can you share that story and then share um, why you have something called Stone Soup Kitchen? So... Uh, so my grandfather was very literate, and he used to tell stories from, about Ibn Battuta and um, Marco Polo, and then we think about Stone Soup Kitchen. It's such an old traditional story, and the version that I heard of, I'm sure there are many other versions around the world, but the version I heard of was a story about the three monks who wind up traveling to the peaks of Tibet somewhere and they wind up getting lost and they and, and wind up in this small village where people are apprehensive to know who they are and, and they came from a, another part of the world and they're just hungry and what better way to begin? Well, I know what to do, says one monk and he takes out, he carries a, a pot on his back and mm -hmm. sets it down 
and another monk brings some water and adds to it. And he's like, yeah, what we need, we need a stone. And he adds a stone and some of the people in the village come out and each villager contributes something. Oh, I have some carrots or I have some rice. Uh, another person comes across and says, yes, I have some chickens. And right. so everyone kind of contributes to this one pot and there's enough food that goes around uh, to share with everyone and bringing everyone together as opposed to bringing any kinds of fear or apprehension between themselves. So, I mean, yes, it's a, as I say, it's a very old story. And I think an important story because, of course, the people, the villagers are afraid um, and they see whoever it is, the monk in your telling, put a stone in and they think that's horrifying. I'll at least give them a little bit of something. And it's that little bit of donation that everyone can do. So so why do you have something called Stone Soup Kitchen? What is the Stone Soup Kitchen for the Santa Fe Refugee Collaborative? So we're all about building, um, invested in bringing communication, building bridges, longer tables. Um, and not walls, right? right? So, and the best way to hold those dialogues is to introduce food from all around the world. And um, perhaps I have like a sister from Palestine and she wants to make makluba. And um, so we get ingredients from those who would want to host it. And uh, they bring specific ingredients, potatoes and another friend will bring some rice and another one will bring some broth and another friend will bring some spices and we all come together in a kitchen right. in the tradition of making makhluba and you know it's just using that one pot and then sharing uh, that meal and talking about well what does it mean to be Palestinian and uh, talking about the diaspora around that and it brings such immense understanding between people who are so different. I love the fact that I love the fact that you're bringing, you know, the three cups of tea was teas from around the world, and Stone Soup Kitchen is food from around the world. I love this sense. It's very easy for us to get caught up in local food, basically, and say, "Well, now you're here, you need to eat," or we tend to eat this, and and almost forget the food of. Of, of our homeland or the food of our ancestors and um and i think that i i hear something in what you're saying and maybe i'm projecting and, and feel free to correct me about about food almost carrying the personal narrative as well um food expressing not just ourselves but almost our ancestral global selves is that part of it it is part of it. it's also part of healing you Go know, um, so drinking that tea is part of healing. We're healing our traumas, generational traumas, perhaps, or something that's existing in within our DNA because we haven't gotten over ourselves. And then it's trying to open up our our hearts to inviting people and saying, "This is who I am," and um, having that understanding. And that within that understanding, how can we help you? How can we have a better understanding between each other? And what are your specific needs that we can touch upon? And it kind of, it, it grows and the dialogue grows. And then we think about those countries um, where these families are coming from. And there's a better cultural sensitivity involved. And um, yeah, and then we take a look at what the basic humanity is behind each culture. Um, 
I think I think you just touched on something really important that I was thinking about as you were speaking there, which is that the Santa Fe Refugee Collaborative is about individual humanity. It's about seeing people where they are. It's not like a government agency which says, look, those people, we can house them, they're done. You know, this is very much about seeing people where they are and helping them to to express themselves in a respectful, loving way you know to show their humanity i think that's really important right and we have um over time become a hub of resources and a conduit for support so if you've touched with upon reaching out to the resettlement agencies who are greatly responsible for their work and we give so much respect to them it's at the ground level right where the you know rolling up our sleeves and our boots on the ground and getting to Deming with our Deming drive right. or getting to Albuquerque to helping those Syrian refugees or perhaps there are some refugees from from the many different nations of Africa who we've also tried our best to support and help and ensuring that these individuals have an agency they have their own voices that need to be heard and how to make their lives more sustainable in the state of New Mexico. Mm. And now if I was to, you know, everyone wears an invisible cape. And so I'm not saying that this work is done just by myself. I give credit to a lot of different individuals. And it's just that someone just needed to be inspired to make this turn into a true story of empowerment and support that we we hate to see our own displaced people out on the street begging for money and um, and other things that they may need. So over the years, we, we have seen the pri- primary need was housing, um, housing and then food, uh, job security, health, um, ensuring that these children, as vulnerable as they are, they have a society in which embraces them so that they have a path forward to improve their own lives. Um, And it's just amazing. These little children grow up to be uh, their parent, uh, their family's Mm. representative. They acquire language so quickly that they're able to translate for their parents and the parents then become somehow empowered through that. And, um, And a lot of, you know, a lot of that effort works collaboratively and so hence the santa fe refugee collaborative and um you you said something we've only got a minute or so left but you said something and i don't think you realized how important it was what you said when you said everyone wears an invisible cape that's a really extraordinary statement um in just a minute as we wrap up what does that mean for you everyone wears an invisible cape well, our brains are multifaceted like diamonds, and we all have um, we're, we all carry a gift. We just need to tap into what where our interests are and how we can invest that into being able to support society. Um, I'm a person who just feels like you know our city, our state, our country, the lives of people is important. And what better way is to start from within ourselves and our and our families and then go from there what you know which carries um value so and we have those you know um we have our 
frontline workers who yeah. are out there during the pandemic, they wear their invisible capes and sometimes they don't even have a name badge. So what do we call them? You know, I, ju um, I just think I hear what you're saying. I just think there's something you have a very wonderful um, view of humanity, a positive view of humanity that obviously feeds into all this extraordinary work that you're doing with the Santa Fe Refugee Collaborative to really bring people together, bring out the best of people and volunteers and bring them together. I, I want to thank you for being here this evening. It's been fascinating to talk to you. Um, so thank you to Miraj Bukhari Freya, the founder of the Santa Fe Refugee Collaborative. I really appreciate you coming on thank, our show. Thank you so much, Rabbi Neil. This means a lot for you giving so many individuals uh, the opportunity to speak. And um, I know a lot of people don't really know me so well, but, you know, I, I guess that kind of sums it up. I'm sure they will from minutes. now. You've been listening to Soul Searching with Rabbi Neil Amswich from Temple Beth Shalom and from the Interfaith Leadership Alliance of Santa Fe. Until we return again in two weeks' time, keep searching. <laughs>